0: You go with me, Acts chapter number sixteen. I want you to continue to pray for the uh, Ray Smith family and his home going, and then uh, continue to pray for Brad and Kathy and the uh, Kathy. They're back with us and trip to Texas and and uh, the, the death of her mother. So continue to pray for them as well. We have much to pray about, but I'm thankful we have someone to pray to. Yeah. And uh, what a thrilling thought! I hope you can remember. You may not know the date of your salvation. And you may not know the day of the week, but you should know the time. And I'm not talking about 11:45, I'm talking about remembering the fact that you know you've trusted Christ as your savior. Acts chapter number 16 now we're in the book of Acts and I'm having a good time. And uh, we took a detour a couple weeks ago and, and uh, finished up a, a thought on the, what God does in the, uh, Romans chapter number 8 as it paralleled there with what Paul was dealing with. And uh, we think about these things uh, and I remind you the apostle Paul is a human being. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, he walked among flesh like we did, and he lived. And and you say, man, Christians having a hard time today. Christians aren't having any hard time compared to what they went through in the first century. Acts chapter number 16, I'm going to preach for a little while on this subject, uh, on the subject of when things change. How many of you are like me? You're creatures of habit. I've reached the point in my life that if I buy a pair of shoes, I I buy two pairs. I used to make fun of Pastor Sexton and say that. He'd go to buy him a tie and he'd buy two of them. He said, if I liked it, he knew he was going to wear it a lot. He'd buy a suit, he'd buy two pair of pants because the pants wear out faster than the coat. And I, I used to think to myself, oh man, now I'm there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You like your brand of ketchup, you like your brand of mayonnaise, you like your bread, uh, you, you like to sit in your chair, you like to cover up with your blanket, you like to sleep in your bed, and you like to sleep on your pillow. You, 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 we're, we're creatures of a habit, and we are very comfortable about where we are. Now, one thing you'll find in the book of Acts is they never really got comfortable. So plan A, let's just call it plan A, you say, What's happening? Well, Acts 15 and verse number 36, uh, the Bible says this, and some days after Paul said to, uh, to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we had preached in the word of God and see how they do. So here's plan a. And I, I said to you, if you want to write a title, where the title is when things change. So Paul says that uh, Barnabas, let's go visit all them churches that we helped start and, and let's go back and establish the brethren and we go. But we've already looked at it at the end of last, the, last week, at the end of chapter number 15, plans begin to start to change. Barnabas said, well, I'm going to take John Mark with me. Paul said, no, you're not. I'm not going with you. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the Bible uses the word the contention got so strong that, that Paul and Barnabas parted ways. But let me say this to you. They parted ways, but they continued to work. Uh, someone said this, that God's workmen may change, but God's work does not change. And so here, Barnabas takes John Mark, his cousin, with him, and Barnabas being the maybe the encourager, maybe he's thinking I can give the guy another chance, and and they take all. And then Paul takes Silas and they head in the other direction. And so that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter number sixteen. And I say this to you, we all have our plans. You ever have a plan? Somebody asks you sometimes when you have a church, they're like, Well, do you have a five year plan? You have a 10-year plan. You have a 15-year plan. I have things I believe God wants us to do, but these things I still ain't done the first year. I had my one-year plan. And you say, well, that just happens because plans change. But we get to Acts chapter number 16. Let me give you three things that changed here in this story. First of all, you find a change in workforce. I've already introduced this concept to you, but you'll find in, in Acts chapter number 16 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Then came he to Derbe and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, a son of a certain woman which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. Now, I want to ask you a question. When you get to Acts chapter number 15, at the end of the story, Paul and Barnabas uh, separate ways and Paul, Barnabas and John Mark, they go on to Cyprus. But can I say this to you? You say, man, that's contention. I can't believe Christian people can't get along. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) You say, what happened? I don't know what happened. But what I don't find is this, when Paul went back to visit those churches, I don't find anything in there him talking about how bad Barnabas was. Now, that's free. That ain't in the notes, but it ain't in the Bible either. They didn't talk about bad about each other. You know, what you do find is in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 11, when the old-aged uh, apostle's getting ready to, to, sell, to set shore to heaven's shore, he said, bring Mark with me because he's profitable under the ministry. Yeah. Now, some of you can never get to that point because you never give somebody a second chance Paul said, I, it wasn't time to take him now. I don't know what happened to make John Mark go back. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we do know you can read all throughout the, Paul's epistles where he talked about John Mark and, and now at the end of his life, he said he's profitable to the ministry. Can I say this to you? It's time for some of you to bury the hatchet. You say, you don't know what they did. No, I don't know what they did, but you sure Remember? The Bible said this, Paul said this, he didn't say me and John Mark's best friends, he said this, he's profitable for the ministry because the ministry is more important than people. Who gets the credit doesn't matter. And so here you find the story and a change in work face. But you find this in verse 1. They go to Lystra and Derby. You say, what's so significant about Lystra? Their reverse order of their first journey, probably about five years later, historians tell us, and they go back to Lystra and Derby and Icon. Now, if you remember just a couple chapters ago, those were the cities they got kicked out of. That was the city where uh, Paul was stoned and left for dead and went back into the city to preach. You say, what's happening? He's going back there and the amazing thing that we ain't got there yet but in verse number four and five what you find there is a church that is established but where you find in a difficult place where god had opened a door yet they suffered there he, say what did he find there he found timothy can i say this to you in the middle of your trouble don't be surprised when god sends a timothy You say, what do you mean? Now, none of us that I know of are are dealing with stonings. None of us that I know of are being left for dead. In, In America, that's not the persecution we face, but we all do face trouble and we all do face obstacles. But can you go back in your mind's eye to the beginning of the book of Acts when they stoned Stephen, they laid their coat at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now we know him as Paul the Apostle, but he was Saul of Tarsus then. And Stephen said, lay not this into their charge. And Jesus stood up and welcomed that first martyr into heaven. And Stephen dealt with persecution, dealt with problems in such a way that it made an impact in Saul's life. Saul, many years later, now is traveling and he's stoned and he's left for dead. Yet he does not quit what God has given him to do. And now, in the city that he is stoned in, you find Timothy. You say, what's the point there? Can I say this to you? People are watching how you deal with your problems. And there might be a Timothy if we can deal with trouble in the spirit of Jesus Christ you say I'm not finding any Timothys well I wonder how we're dealing with our problems and I wonder if we didn't go back into that city you say what's the significant about going back and Timothy being there uh, later in the, uh, the epistles I won't take the time to turn there but Paul calls Timothy my son in the faith and my own son after the faith and he referred to them that way many Bible scholars believe that on that first trip to Lystra that Paul led Timothy to the Lord and you say what's the significance Paul was always Concerned about the gospel work and the work of the church. He was probably converted. Timothy was probably converted under that first trip and later became one of Paul's favorite companions. Can I say this to you? Humanly speaking, and I, I'm not, I, I, I can't comprehend the sovereignty of God, but humanly speaking, let's look at it this way, from the human side, there's no Timothy if Paul quits at the first opportunity of opposition. Timothy later becomes, we believe, the pastor at the church of Ephesus. We have that letter, 1 and 2 Timothy. We love it. talks about how to live in the last days and the power of the Word of God and what the Word of God does. And humanly speaking, none of those happen. listen, if Paul stops because of stoning, and can I say this to you? None of those happen if Paul stops because of disagreement. You know this, you can disagree and get up and go on and serve God. You don't have to stop. And what we find from Paul and what we find from Barnabas, though they parted ways, they parted ways doing the work of God. And in Paul's first stop, he finds Timothy. And they say this the Bible tells us here that he was a son of a certain woman, a Jewish. His mom was a, of the Jewish descent. His dad was a Greek. His mom was a believer. We, we read late on or later that he was influenced greatly by his mother and his grandmother in 2 Timothy. Paul said, I understand the faith that was in your grandmother. The faith that was in your mother is now in you. He said, I'm convinced of that. And can I pause and just say, it doesn't do any good to you if your faith is only in grandmother or your faith is only in mother. Everybody must have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody said it this way, God has no grandchildren. Now, I'm thankful for my godly heritage. I'm thankful I had godly grandparents and and godly parents that that taught us the right way, that that kept us in church, but there had to become a time in my life for me as a 14-year-old boy that no longer what I thought of everybody else, it had to be real and it had to be personal in my life, and I had to cry out to God and ask God to be my Savior. You can be around Christian things and not be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I challenge you, You say, I may not be Timothy called to preach, but can I say this first to you? Be a Timothy who is a saved man. Not only was he saved, he says this, that he had a good report of all the brethren. Timothy was already serving. In verse 2 it says he was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So when Paul came back to town, they said there's this young man now serving and he's well reported. You say to me, you say, I don't care what people think. Well, then you don't have a Christian perspective. It's possible to have a good report among the brethren. And he said this, he said he was well reported of. And then verse 3, a strange verse, but they just fought over circumcision. Paul said it's not necessary for a man to be circumcised. They had the whole Jerusalem council. We talked about that justification by faith and faith alone. But in verse number 3, the Bible says this, that Paul told Timothy to be circumcised. In verse 3 it says, him would Paul had to go forth with him and took him and circumcised him with him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And then the Bible says, you say, what was the significance of that? The significance of that was not circumcision for salvation, but it was to not limit his service in the synagogues. And so Paul said to, for us to go travel city to city and go to those synagogues, it's going to be better if you're circumcised. And he's circumcised and he goes on. But I want to understand this. I want you to understand something to this. Timothy submitted himself to the leadership of the Apostle Paul. And you watch this. And every now and then, let me say this, we need to make personal sacrifices so it doesn't limit our service to God. There are some things we can do that doesn't mean we should do and paul here encourages timothy to be circumcised then you find a good report in verse four and five look at it in verse four it says and as they went through the cities they delivered them the decrees for to keep and that were ordained to the apostles and the elders which were at jerusalem so the letters that they had gotten in chapter 15 they shared with the the churches that they had visited and notice verse 5. Please don't miss this. This is a twofold thing you find here, a twofold description of the churches. But I say this to you it is a twofold challenge to every church. It says, And so were the churches, notice this, established in the faith and increased in the number daily. So the first thing you find is this that the churches that they had went to and they had won converts, now they're established or they're strengthened. They're, they're edified, they're built up. So the first work of a church is this, that we should be being built up. So if I ask you this question, are you stronger today as a believer than you were yesterday? Are you stronger as a believer? Do you know more of the Lord and know more of the Lord's word now than you did a year ago or, or five years ago? That should always be our desire. But notice the second thing, not only is there a strengthening work or an establishing work, but notice this, there's a, they're increasing. You say, what's that? It's real simple. They're reaching new people. See, a church can get caught in either one of those traps. Both good things, but they can be one sided. Some churches are, are known only for deeper theological teaching, and everybody in their congregation has a high understanding of the Word of God. And all they want to do is study new things and, and study out and, and get to a deeper understanding. That's all well and good. But that's not the only thing a church is to do. You find the Bible says this, that we're to go in all the world and to preach the gospel. Yes, we're to be edifying and we're to be building up and we're to be making disciples. But the Bible says first that we must go. So here you find the other side. Notice this, they increase daily. Now I ask you a question. How is it possible for a church to increase daily that doesn't meet daily? That means somebody other than the preacher was telling people about what Jesus had done. And so here you find the second fold work and that is reaching new people. See, the other, the other extreme in, in church work is not just the higher intellectualism and say we're just all going to learn all we can. The other extreme is this, that we're only going to reach new people. And the, when you reach new people and all you ever do is reach new people, then you don't have anybody to strengthen them and to encourage them. So here's the challenge and here's our challenge. Yes, we should strengthen the brethren, but we should never reach the point that we don't want to see new people. You say, well, I I like to sit in my seat. I like like it when somebody else sits in your seat. You say, why? Because I know you'll find another seat. (laughs) You say, I like it when when people show up and, and looking for answers and looking for truth. And you say, why? Because God is interested in their life. We'll get to it in just a moment. But it is amazing what God will do to find someone that is looking for the truth. You first find a change in workforce you find now no longer paul and barnabas but now paul and silas and then they pick up a new companion timothy and can i say this to you sometimes churches say well we need new workers workers are always found in the field workers are always found as you go and reach new people and train new people and you find here a change in the workforce. Notice the second thing with me. You find a change of plans. <laughs> now this is a strange passage of scripture, I'll be honest with you. If anybody ought to know the mind of God, it ought to be Paul. Called up into the vision, saw things we didn't understand, writes things in this book that we're still trying to figure out. And Paul had plans to go to the east. Look at me, not look at me, look with me, I should say, in verse number 6. And there's some cities here that I may not pronounce right, but you don't know how to pronounce either. And you go home listen to Alexander Scorby with his beautiful voice, say him right. It says in verse 6, it says, and now when they had gone through uh, Pergia, the region of Galatia, notice this, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God in Asia. Now wait just a second, preacher is does God want the Word of God preached in Asia? Yes or no? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. He would not have any to be ignorant. He wouldn't have any perish. He he, he wants all to come to the saving knowledge of, of salvation. He wants to preach the gospel to every creature. Someone said it this way, you can't preach the gospel to the wrong person, and I believe that. But for some reason, as Paul was wanting to go east, God said no. Can I say this to you? There is God's will, and there is God's timing, and there is God's way. God's will, we understand that He wants everyone to know Him and to serve Him. But inside of that, there's some things that we have to consider. Look in verse number seven. It says, And they were come to Mesia, and they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now, I, I don't know everything going on there. I don't know if that was a vision. I don't know if that was what we might call an intuition. But it was so clear that Dr. Luke, as he's recording this about Paul's journeys, he said it twice. He said they were going that way, and God said, no, don't go that way. And they were headed out to go to the next town, and God said, no, don't go that way. Can I say this to you? Sometimes God changes your plans. God often changes our plans. And so they had planned to travel east, and God's closing doors. But can I say this to you? Closed doors may be a surprise to you, but they are never a surprise to God. You say they're closed. Sometimes closed doors are closed to good things, but they're not closed. God has a way and God has a will. I say this to you, and please don't misunderstand this. God said to them, don't go preach the gospel there. Is preaching the gospel a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's a good thing. I don't have to pray. Look at me. I don't have to pray and ask God's will for things that are contrary to this book. Somebody says to me, I believe it's God's will for me to do X, Y, and Z. And I say to you, you're crazy. You say, you shouldn't say that. Well, if it's contrary to the word of God, I don't have to wonder what God wants to do but in the scope of doing God's word and doing or doing God's work and and reading God's word sometimes God says no to good things and he says wait by the way I if I've got my geography right later I believe Acts chapter number 18 they're gonna go to that area sometimes God says don't go there now but you can go there later But can I say, as we surrender ourselves to the will of God, notice what happens. God begins to change God's direction. And sometimes God changes our directions. But notice it says in verse number 8, And they passed Amnesia and came down to Troas. Now Troas is important in just a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself and I don't want you to get too historical, but there's a significance that's about to happen. It says in a vision appeared to Paul in the night and there stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him saying come over into Macedonia and help us. So here's the Macedonian call, the Macedonian vision. I don't know exactly what it says. All we know is that God God showed Paul the vision and and the Macedonian man said come over and help us. So can I please, please don't miss this. God doesn't speak to us in visions as far as seeing things contrary to scripture but God does speak to us by his spirit. And when God says, no, you can't do that right now, no, you can't do that right now, sometimes we do this, we sit down and do nothing. So if you ain't gonna let me do what I wanna do, well, let me say, you're not a toddler. You need to be spanked and put to bed. Before I get too hard on you, we all act the same way. But notice when the Macedonian vision happened, God begins to open another door. You say, what happened? Come over and help us. They didn't say, Well, we've not been trained for that type of ministry. Then trained, didn't say, Well, that was not my plan. I don't know if we have enough sustenance to make that trip right now. That's not what I had planned. And but notice what he says in verse number 10. It says this, and after he had seen the vision, notice this next word, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonius, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach the gospel unto them. He said it's real simple. God was clear to us. That's what he wanted us to do. And as soon as that became clear to us that that's what God wanted us to do, notice the the next word is immediately. When we was raising our girls, and I guess we're still raising them, about got them snatched up as they say, one of the sayings that we would have is this saying sometimes, delayed obedience is disobedience. So what do you mean by that, preacher? That means if I'm dealing with a toddler and I say, come here, that means they put down what they're doing and come to me. You say, why? Because it's not their choice of when to obey. They must obey now. You say, what if they want to finish what they're doing and and then they get around to it at some point? As long as they come to you, no, 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 no. If they don't come to me when I tell them to come to me, then they have not obeyed me. Is I use this parenting illustration to help us understand this with the mind of God, God opened, God closes the door and says, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. And then he says, okay, this is definitely what you're supposed to do. Then it is not time for us as the children of God to get cold feet. It is time for us to immediately endeavor to go to Macedonia, as it were, to do immediately what God had led them to do. You say, notice in verse number 11, it goes on, it says... Therefore, they loose from Troas. And the next word, you say, Well, that's a little word. Circle the little word we in your Bible. It's three times in the book of Acts, this little word we is used. You say, What's the significance? Who wrote the book of Acts? Human penman. That's old Dr. Luke. You say, What happened in Troas? That happened to be where he was. This is one of what they call the we sections. The commentaries call it the we sections. So now, as we're listening, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself in my mind. I'm getting a little excited. Say, so there's contention back here in verse 15. There's closed doors in the beginning of chapter 16. But we've picked up old Timothy, later gonna become my trusted companion. Now in Troas, we've picked up Dr. Luke. <laughs> Dr. Luke is now telling it in a, the first person. He's not talking about the vision that Paul saw or what happened to Timothy. Now he's saying, "We about to sell on, brethren." And sometimes you think about closed doors, you think, how could this ever happen? Paul, it it seemed like a good idea for Paul and Barnabas to go back and visit the churches. It was a logical step. If we were teaching church planning, it would be the next logical step. But God said, no, don't, don't go with them. You go that way and you go this way. And then as we start to go back to the churches, he said, no, after you've picked up Timothy, we're gonna go the exact opposite direction that you were planning to go. But by the way, when you get there, Old Dr. Luke's going to join you. And see, Luke, as we find in verse number 11 and 12, it says this, and with a straight course. Underline that little word, straight course. To Samothrosia and the next day to Neapolis. You say, what's the significance about that? Uh, if you read and study a little bit about it, they tell us that's a 150-mile trip. And that little word, straight course, <laughs> means that the, the wind was... Perfect for sailing. Later we find Paul dealing with contrary winds. This this journey they tell us took two days. Later the same journey took five days. You say, what's the point? When God's wind is at our sail. We look at the closed doors and we say, I want to do that, I want to do that, and, I want, do that, and I, I want to do that, and God says, no, 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 you do this, and immediately if we obey, it's amazing when he sends other companions on, but he also sends complimentary winds to make his way as smooth as possible. So they're smooth sailing on. You say, man, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I want you to think about it in your mind. Now it's Paul and Silas and Timothy and Dr. Luke You find in verse 4 and 5, you find strong churches and new believers. You say, it can't get any better than that. It does get better than that. You not only find a change of plans, but notice the third thing, you find a change family. I didn't read to you, but in verse number 12, it says this. From thence they went to Philippi, which was the chief city of Macedonia, a colony which were in that city abiding certain days. So here they're back to their concept of going to the chief cities and, and trying to reach the chief cities. And from there, reaching out, and Philippi being a very Roman city, but here you find, notice this in verse number 13, and on the Sabbath day, I've circled those three words, on the Sabbath day. You say, preacher, we don't celebrate the Sabbath anymore. No, we celebrate the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection. We call it the Lord's day. Someone said it this way, every day is a Lord's day, but there is still, is a, there is still the Lord's day. He said, what do you mean by that? A, a, on the Sabbath day, Paul and, a, and Dr. Luke and, a, and Timothy and, and Silas, they're looking for a synagogue. Now, in this city, we know there's no synagogue. So they don't go to the synagogue. There were not 10 Jewish men there. So the Bible says on the Sabbath day, they were looking for believers. They were looking for someone to pray with. I read in my Bible, beside of verse number 13, what do you do on the Lord's day? It was just common practice for them. They went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. I don't have time to get into it, but the Jewish rabbis wouldn't even teach women. There's a statement, if you study it, it says this, that they'd rather burn the law and, than to teach those women. They just thought it was insignificant. And Paul says, no, we're going to go down here and pray with the women folk. And you find God beginning to work. Now, remember this. Conflict, oh yeah. Closed doors, oh yeah. Change of plans. Now I got new ministry people. Paul and Barnabas, man, they had a long track record together, but now Paul is now dealing with Silas and, and now Paul is dealing with Timothy and teaching and training. And, but you find something in, in, in verse number 14. It says, "In a certain woman named Lydia A cellar of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of of Paul. And then verse number 15, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, "If if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. I don't have time to deal with this in detail, but notice in verse number 14, you find Lydia, this successful businesswoman. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, and they, they tell us that purple dye was from that region of Thyatira. She was a Gentile. She was not of Jewish background, but she was a Gentile seeking after truth, and so here she is around where those women are praying, and God opened. Let me say this to you. The Bible says in verse number 14, whose heart the Lord opened. Please don't miss this. God opened Lydia's heart through closed doors in the Apostle Paul's life. He so said, what's the significance? Sometimes we get frustrated not doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And God says, well, if you'll just stay with me a little while, there's somebody over there that I'm leading you to. And can I say this? God's closed doors often lead to open hearts and look in verse number 15 and when she was baptized her whole household got saved her whole household was baptized more than likely the church at philippi was started in her home they said here abide with me later in this chapter i don't want to get ahead of myself lord willing we'll get there next week you're going to find out about the philippian jailer How many of you like the book of Philippians? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How many of you like those verses? Humanly speaking, now please don't misunderstand that. Humanly speaking, there is no book of Philippians if there is no Lydia. Humanly speaking, there is no Lydia if God does not close Paul's direction and change his plans. And can I say to you and I, don't get frustrated. When God changes your plans, and let me say this to you, there is God's will, and I heard a preacher say one time, there's also God's timing. Sometimes God says, not now, but wait. I give you this challenge, if you notice at the end of this story, there's two cities mentioned, Thyatira and Philippi. We know that the church of Philippi was established and the book of Philippians was written. Thyatira is one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Maybe, I don't know this for sure, but maybe both of these churches started out of one woman's conversion. That if God didn't change Paul's plans, she may have never heard the truth of the gospel. So what are you trying to say to me, you preacher? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say God's plans are bigger than your plans. I'm saying God's delays have... Purpose. I'm saying God's detours are not really distractions, but they may be directly leading us somewhere that he wants us to go. I give you this challenge and I'm done. Allow God to change your plans. Don't let some personal conflict or someone stop you from serving God. And look for open hearts. Plans change. God doesn't. Say this to you. Plans change, but God's work doesn't. You say they found themselves in a different city, no Jewish synagogue in different circumstances. But what'd they do? They did the same thing if they'd have been at the synagogue. They preached the gospel, the little word there spoken. If you study it out, it deals with the, uh, when she said she heard the things that Paul had spoken, it deals with the subject of conversion and, and the gospel work. And you say, here's the point I want you to understand Be looking to be used by God. I give you this challenge, not just change plans. That's a wonderful thought. But do your plans for life include being used by God? Well, if they don't include that, then you've got the wrong plans. And inside of these things, look, God will not lead you to do things contrary to the word of God, but sometimes God leads you in different ways than you intended. And I, I give you this. I'm doing with my life what I said I would probably never do. I told the Lord I wouldn't pastor a church in East Tennessee. He said, "Why? church is on every corner. Somebody wants to go to church, they can go to church." So said, "What happened? God directed my life differently. You say, now I get up every day and think, oh, not, not that there's not hard days, not that there's not tough days. But I give up every day saying, I know I'm doing with my life what God wants me to do. And my challenge is to you, listen to the Spirit of God, obey the Spirit of God to where you can get up every day and say, look, I'm doing with my life what God wants me to do. I'm doing the work that God created me to do. And you might be surprised, there's some old Timothy's. Another generation, Timothy speaks to us of another generation, that from a child that was known the Holy Scriptures. There's a Timothy that needs some faithful Pauls in their life, that needs some faithful mamas and some faithful grandmas in your life. Say, well, life ain't turned out like I wanted it to. If I was betting, if we all took our cards out, and I said to you, has everything happened in life like you wanted it to? I would almost bet that nobody in this room can say, yeah, it's happened just like I planned. So the question you've got to ask yourself is what do you do when God changes your plans? Are you open to listening to his voice? I want you to bow with me.